All right. Well, it is is my pleasure. Actually, this was was uh, put in motion last year. Uh, not like right before we left to go back to Texas. We we had dinner with with uh, Pastor Mike and Chris, and and uh, we were just visiting. And and Pastor Mike asked Kathy if she would would speak on Mother's Day of this year. And so uh, it's been in motion for a while, but it, it is uh, a pleasure to be able to to have a wife that is so ta- and she is she is so talented and in so many things in ministries and and uh, she doesn't do a lot of public speaking. She was a children's pastor for like eighteen years, you know, so she was used to talking to the little tights and you know and stuff like that. She didn't do a lot of public speaking but let me tell you I, I I couldn't make it without my precious wife she's she's a prayer warrior she's 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 a woman of faith she I mean she just she keeps me she keeps me grounded there's times when I'm just ready to say you know what I I, I just I, I just don't want to do this or that or whatever it might be anymore uh, she keeps me grounded so I love her and I appreciate her and she's going to come and and, uh, share with you this morning well good morning thank you for having me today thank you Pastor Mike who's not here but he is the one like uh, Leland said who uh, asked me to speak today uh, just as, as a side note, although I, I look like I saw quite a few have them, if you by, by chance take notes or anything, I've got a lot of scriptures today, and there is uh, an outline sheet right there on that podium where Pastor usually keeps them right by the front door. So if you're interested in one of those, um, Tom, you want to go ahead and turn? Okay. So as Leland said, it's been, you know, six months or so since pastor asked me to do this and so obviously I've had some time to think about this and and as I look over the crowd today I see with the exception of a couple of you that most of you are my generation or older and so I feel very humbled giving you this message today because it's not typically a message that someone would give to individuals of their own age usually you would give something like this to someone younger maybe but This is the message that God gave me for you today. I have been pondering this in my heart for several months. And uh, so this is this is what God wants you to hear today. So I ask you. So Um, one day, four ministers stood talking. And as often happens, the conversation started getting to shop talk. Well, I prefer the King James Version of the scripture, said the first minister for its eloquent use of the English language, and because we all know that Jesus used the King James Version, right? The second minister felt that no Bible could match the Amplified for its clarification of the word. Well, that may be, said the third minister, but I prefer the New International Version for its contemporary language and easy readability. There was a thoughtful period of silence, and then the fourth minister said, Well, I like my mother's translation best. It was with some surprise that the other said, we didn't know your mother had translated the Bible. Yes, she did, he replied. 
She translated it into her daily life, and it was through her translation that I came to faith. 2 Timothy 1.5 tells us about another mother and grandmother that translated the Bible into the way they lived their lives. Lois, who was the grandmother of Timothy, and Eunice, Timothy's mother. 2 Timothy 1.5 says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. In essence, Paul was saying, Timothy, I know your grandmother, and her faith is authentic. It is the same faith that I have observed in your mother, and having watched you all this time, I am convinced of your faith also. To describe that faith, Paul used a word which literally means without hypocrisy. Lois and Eunice showed Timothy by word and example what it means to live in authentic, sincere faith, a faith from which hypocrisy is totally absent, the real thing, genuine, honest. What higher accolade or greater tribute could be given to any mother or grandmother on this Mother's Day than to say, You gave me sincere faith. Now, I don't know about you, but as I've gotten older, I have really contemplated what it takes for me to be a woman of sincere faith. Let me give you a little bit of background on me. While many of you know my husband and I as RVers that are here each summer, you may not know that much about me. I was raised in a Christian house. My parents faithfully attended their local Assembly of God church. I was literally in church since birth. My parents loved to tell everyone how they had me in church the very first Sunday after I was born. When I was five years old, I gave my heart to the Lord. I grew up in children's church, and then later I was active in my youth group. I attended kids' camps and youth camps, and later I graduated from Southwestern Assembly of God College. I was living the ideal life of a young Christian girl. Then I met and married a man who was, quite frankly, much less than I thought he was. Three years and two children later, I left that abusive marriage. For the next 14 years, I raised my children as a single mother. During that time, I struggled, mostly existing from day to day. I continued to serve the Lord, ministering in my church as children's church director. In 1997, my oldest daughter passed away, and for a time, I struggled in my faith. So let me stop my story a little bit and just make sure, you know, I described that time frame briefly. But in fact, that was the hardest time frame of my life. There were many things that I had to deal with. And honestly, they kind of set up some patterns that I had later on that I really had to struggle with. Some patterns having to do with fear and worry, um, which I struggled in well into my marriage with Leland. Thankfully, with God's help and a lot of time, I don't struggle with that as much anymore. But let's go back to our story. Then I met my darling husband, Leland. I changed jobs and life improved. And I changed. As I advanced at work, I became more and more immersed in gaining power. I continued to serve the Lord and had many moments of outstanding faith and personal growth. But in retrospect, there wasn't much consistency in my faith. I was more caught up in control and controlling my environment and controlling work and 
quite frankly, controlling my family, too. As the years passed, our children married, and we gained grandchildren, and me, I gained more power at work. I was in control. Then I had two pivotal eye-opening moments. The first pivotal moment happened Christmas Day, 2016. I sat in a room with some of my grandchildren, watching them open gifts, and I heard my oldest grandson talking. As he talked, I noticed that his voice was changing, and I realized how much older he was getting. In that moment, I experienced such grief because I realized all of those moments of his life, my other grandchildren, and my children's lives, I had missed because I worked all of the time. I resolved that day that I wanted to be a different type of woman, mother, and Mimi. Work wasn't going to come first any longer. I would be at soccer games, school plays, birthday parties, and life events. And in fact, within just a short period of time, I actually notified my employer that I would be retiring. The second pivotal moment happened December 30th, 2018. That Sunday, our pastor preached a message about the essentials of a Christian life. As part of his message, he challenged each person to set aside just 10 minutes each day to pray. And in fact, he was talking about that if you will do this for just 30 days, you will develop a habit of prayer. As I listened to that message, again, with that first pivotal moment, I experienced a lot of grief as I realized that while I had served the Lord the entirety of my life, while I had read the Bible and prayed often, I did not have a habit of praying or Bible reading. Growing up, I had idolized my grandmother. Each morning she would get up while it was still dark and sit and read her Bible and pray. She was a woman of sincere faith. I remember when I was eight years old, I had emergency surgery. As my mom was taking me to the hospital, she asked me if I needed anything. I think she wanted to make sure she had packed or brought to the hospital anything I needed. And I told her, I said, no, I just need you to call Grandma. Because I knew the minute Grandma got that phone call, she would be on her knees in prayer for me. And she would continue to pray until I was out of surgery and she knew I was fine. I remember thinking even as far back as when I was eight years old that I wanted to be just like her. You know, it's pretty sad that I had to be 60 years old before I finally realized what my grandmother knew, what Timothy's grandmother and mother knew, how to live a life of sincere faith, what it takes to be a woman or a man of sincere faith. The sermon I heard that morning was the first in a series our pastor would preach about the essentials of Christian life. As I continued with my resolution to be a woman of sincere faith, I developed my own essentials. And so I'd like to share those with you today. And as you listen to my essentials for living a life of sincere faith, I challenge you to develop your own essentials for sincere faith. Number one, develop a habit of prayer. You know, we need to develop a habit of prayer, not just praying when you have a need or when you're in church or, quite frankly, when you remember to pray. But prayer should be a habit, 
something you do each day, preferably at a set time. Like many of you, I watched the war room several years ago, and I was moved and prompted to pray more and even to have my own war room for a time. And that is one of the categories of prayer, war. But it is not the only type of prayer. Prayer isn't just battle. Sometimes It's so much more. Prayer is also our communication with God, talking about the good, the bad, and the ordinary. If we are going to battle, don't we want someone to be with beside us that we know really well, and they know us well? That can only habit happen if we have a habit of prayer and have learned his voice and who he is. You know, Leland and I wouldn't have much marriage if I only talked to him when I wanted something from him, which I guess would quite frankly be often, but that's another story. That's the same way it is with God. We need to learn who he is, talk with him daily, hourly, often. Matthew fourteen twenty three says, And after he, meaning Jesus, had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain on the mountain by himself to pray. Mark 6.46 says, And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And in Luke 6.12 we are told, In those days he went to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued to pray to God. Even Jesus had a habit of prayer, a set time that he spent with God, his Father, each and every day. For me, personally, that time is first thing in the morning. I don't get out of bed at all start my day or anything until I spent my time in prayer. And so I challenge each of you, just as I was challenged four years ago, to set aside a specific time each day and spend at least 10 minutes in prayer and develop it for 30 days, and you will develop that habit. I believe that you'll find, as I did, that over time, 10 minutes, well, honestly, doesn't seem quite long enough, and it keeps getting longer and longer as talking as I develop even more habit of spending time with God. I think you'll find, too, that you're going to look forward to and enjoy your time talking with God. Essential number two, read the Bible daily. As with prayer, daily Bible reading needs to also become a habit. When you come to the land that your Lord is giving you, you may indeed set a king over you. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of his law. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all of the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all of the words of this law and these statutes. Deuteronomy 17, 14, 15, 18 through 19. Just as God directed the Old Testament kings to read his word daily, so we too need to daily read the word of the God. And not just picking and choosing those really, you know, good passages of scripture or easy scriptures, but reading all of it. Four years ago, after hearing that pivotal message, I resolved to not only read the Bible daily, but again, to develop a habit of prayer. In addition, I decided for myself that I was going to try to read the Bible in one year. In fact, I did. And I'm halfway through now my fourth time. So I challenge you to spend 10 minutes or less each day reading your Bible. So those of you that are keeping notes, now I've challenged you to use 20 minutes of your time each day. 
There are many Bible reading plans out there, which is actually one of what I use that you can use. There are really great apps that they have on your phone that will, or Bibles even that will guide you through that daily plan. Using these guides will make your daily reading easier. If you're interested in finding a daily plan and don't know where to stop, you're welcome to come see me after church or see Pastor. I'm sure he knows plenty too. I think you'll find again as with prayer as you read the Bible through that there are life lessons throughout the Bible, not just in those good passages. Even some of those passages I previously thought were boring, sometimes I read them and I'm thinking, huh, there's something there. My essential number three. Learn the Holy Spirit's voice. Learn who the Holy Spirit is. Learn his voice. Learn to follow that still small voice that often prompts us to go to someone to pray, to offer a word of encouragement, and to show kindness. Earlier, we sang the song, Jaculatus in the song, Nothing Else. You know, I love that song. And, you know, it's in those times when we have that really humble attitude with the Lord that we sang about in that song, that we can really learn what his voice is. John 16, 13 tells us, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. In that scripture, and also in other scriptures, we see many instances of someone being led by the spirit. Philip was prompted to go to a certain desert road where he met an Ethiopian and told him about Jesus. Peter received a vision about unclean animals, which let him know that he should accompany them into Cornelius' house. And Paul traveled to Macedonia after receiving a vision. These men had learned what the Holy Holy Spirit's voice sounded like and followed the prompting. You too need to learn about the Holy Spirit, what his voice sounds like, and listen to him. And also, if you are like me, a little intimidated when you hear the voice prompting you to do something or to go to someone or to tell someone a message from God, remember that our God is not a God of confusion. If he gives you a word, a message, or a prompting, then he's also preparing the heart of the one who is to receive the message from you. Essential number four, memorize the word. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 says, And these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your head. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house of your, and on your gates. And in Joshua 1.8, we are told, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Think about it. We are to meditate. Think about his word day and night to tell our children and our grandchildren, and as we get to a certain age, our great-grandchildren, the word. To talk about it all of the time. We can only do that if we have actually memorized the word. As we get older, at least for me, memorizing becomes much harder than it was when I was younger. You know, in my youth, I was able to memorize lengthy passages of scripture. But quite frankly, I'm afraid that isn't the case with me any longer. 
But I have still found that when I take time and memorize the word, then in those times when I don't have my Bible handy, then I'm still able to quote the scripture to pass on the word to that individual who needs it. Sometimes that individual happens to be myself. So as with my previous challenges, I challenge you to memorize a scripture. Pick something that has meaning for you, maybe something really short. Those are easy always to start with and memorize it. Take the time until you've memorized it. And if you'd like, come to me in the next few weeks and tell me the scripture you memorized. And I'll tell you the one that I'm going to learn. Okay, essential number five. Be trustworthy. We must be women and men of our word. We must keep the promises we make. Be persons of honesty, someone who can be relied on. Proverbs 10.9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Integrity means being consistently and predictably honest in our dealings and relationships. That means being willing to do what is right, even if it costs us, and even when no one even sees our actions. Integrity is being trustworthy. That may require standing alone. But really, no one stands alone, for God ever is always with us. Zechariah 8, verses 16 through 17 says, These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgment that are true and make peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Love no false oath, for all these things I hate, declares the Lord. And in Proverbs 11.31, it says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered. He who she, or she who is trustworthy. Think about it. Trustworthy. The world is watching us. We must be women and men of our word. We must be honest. We must be trustworthy. Essential number six. Live a life of faith. So I've got to be honest with you and say that of all the essentials, living a life of faith is the one I've actually struggled with the most. As I said earlier, I struggled with worry quite a bit, in fact. But that's actually not what the scripture tells us. It says instead for us, for me, to give our worries to him, to not sweat the small stuff. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for me. And in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, the scripture tells us, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Whenever worry surfaces, we would be wise to ask God to replace our fear with trust in him. It helps me, or immediately, me at least, to focus on scripture to build my trust and hope. Most of all, we should remember that when Jesus said not to worry, he made it really actually pretty clear that worry is a waste of time. It accomplishes nothing other than wasting my time. Instead, he tells us, me, to seek the kingdom of God. 
During those times when I have battled worry in the past, I have found that in addition to memorizing scripture, the keeping word art, something like this, beside my bed, in my purse, um, I had word art on my desk at work, that that really helped me focus on the word of God and helped me to target back in to what God wanted for me, that life of faith. Word art like this is real easy to find on the internet, or if you'd like, again, come see me and I'll share with you some of the things I have, because quite frankly, I've got a ton. Essential number seven, love my neighbor. The Bible tells us to love one another. In John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus mentioned this phrase specifically, stating, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In 1 John, it says, 421, he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love his brother and essential sister. It is our responsibility as Christians to be examples of love and unity in our homes and community. So take time and discover Bible verses about loving one another and the love of Jesus. And again, as we talked about earlier, teach them to your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, so you can lead the next generation towards a greater love for all. So there you have it. My seven essentials for living a life of sincere faith. Number one, develop a habit of prayer. Number two, and also to remember that 10 minutes every day. Number two, read the Bible daily. Again, there's your second 10 minutes. Number three, learn the Holy Spirit's voice. Number four, memorize the word. Number five, be trustworthy. Number six, live a life of faith. And number seven, love your neighbor. As I said in the beginning, think about it. And develop for yourself what your essentials for living a life of sincere faith are. Earlier, I shared the story of a woman who translated the Bible by daily living her, the life, her life, a life lived in sincere faith like that of Eunice and Lois in Second Timothy. So as we t- close, I have one final challenge for you. I challenge you, you, each of you, to be a daily translation of God's word. Men, I challenge you to be a man like Simeon, who was just and devout and full of the Holy Spirit. And ladies, I challenge you to be like Eunice and Lois, who were known for their sincere faith. Leave a legacy of faith. Wow, a legacy. You know, we've, we've heard and we've seen people. As we read, as we were taught in school, or maybe we've even known. That left great legacies. People that we'll remember our whole lives or that we'll look back on with great admiration and thought. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody just famous person. Maybe it's a parent, grandparent. 
But we all have someone that is special in our hearts, special in our minds. And if they're special to us, they left a legacy. We don't often think of it that way, but that's true. They left a legacy because they left a lasting impression upon you. Now, there are also those that we have bad (laughs) memories of. Those are bad legacies. And, uh, you know, something Kathy didn't say, but she has expressed. And one of the reasons, you know, she mentioned the grandkids and how that she, you know, realized how quickly our, you know, grandkids were were growing up. But the one thing she didn't share with you that she has shared with me, and she mentioned her grandmother. And her admiration for her. But one of the things that she has mentioned to me, and I I totally agree, and I I share this, this thought as well for my own life, is that she wants her kids and grandkids to remember her as a as a woman of faith, of sincere faith. You know, she wants her grandkids, her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren to tell stories about her like she told about her grandmother and remembering hearing grandma pray out loud from her bedroom in the early morning hours, <laughs> or maybe in some people's case, it may be late at night. But you could hear him praying, pleading the blood of Jesus over family, friends, loved ones, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of people that I've had in my lives that has influenced my life and has, quite frankly, changed my life, pastors that I've had. My own mother. And, quite frankly, my wife, my children, my grandchildren. Just yesterday, we were driving down the road and we were talking about our kids having kids, you know, our kids having kids and how that and Adam and I and, and Judah was in the car and we was talking about, you know, in our case, our daughters had boys and our son had girls. But that's changing this summer. Finally, the son is having a son. So we're, we're going to get to have a heart, a baby heart. We always tell our other kids, yes, y'all's hearts. You know, y'all's hearts too. You're part hearts. But this one will carry that name on. So thank God for that. But, you know, we were driving along and we were just talking about that. And I think Adam asked Judah, he says, well, Judah, you know, because in his family it's, they've had boys just boys 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 and he asked Judah he said well Judah are you going to have boys 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 and something like that and Judah says I don't know that's up to God <laughs> wow <laughs> you know and he's right you know we we agreed but but you know 
my thought was, wow. That's awesome. That at his age, he's already developed this. Well, I don't, I don't know. This is something I could answer. That's, that's a legacy of a grandparent. That's a legacy of parents, of a mom, of a dad. And I know Adam's parents and, you know, those grandparents. And that, that's, that's the legacy that we want to live, that we want to leave. So one day Judah's children will be talking about their faith. Isn't that awesome? Let's leave a legacy. Let's leave a legacy. Pray with me, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for a relationship that we have in you, Lord. That there are essential things as there is in relationships that we have with those here on this earth, there's also essential things that we must do and we must uh, experience to have the true relationship with you. And Lord, that our lives would just grow and develop and continue on more and more and more. As our relationship with you grows stronger. We ask it in Jesus' name. I just want to mention, I didn't mention our offerings. Uh, as most of you know that are here, you know, we, we don't take it up the box in the back. Be sure and drop your offering, tithes offering uh, back there. Uh, and I, I just feel oh, real quick, Kathy mentioned 10 minutes word, 10 minutes scripture, 10 minutes praying, whatever. Some people, I know I've experienced some of this in my life and I've known people that does that, you know, one day you, you know, you, you, something happens and you don't do it or something happens and you don't have 10 minutes you only have two <laughs> you know, or whatever the case may be but you know you how many of you have either experienced or know people that if they mess up they just give up it's kind of like a diet you know okay I fell off the wagon you know so I'll just quit I'll just not I'll, I just quit dieting some people, okay, I didn't get my 10 minutes in today, so I've done messed up. So I'll just give up. No. If you can only give two minutes in scripture reading and two minutes in prayer, give that. Hopefully you can give more than two minutes. But you know what I'm saying is don't give up. But discipline yourself. Set a time, 10 minutes, whatever, and say, I'm going to do it. Discipline yourself. But... Something happens, you you know, whatever. Don't just quit because you didn't quite meet that standard that day. Amen. God bless you. Go in the Lord. Enjoy your day. Happy Mother's Day to our mothers. And uh, just be blessed this, this week. And remember, Pastor, throughout the week, if you would, as well. Amen.